Operation Confidence proudly presents America's Invisible Heroes radio talk show. Tune in weekly on Sundays from 2 p.m. to 3.30 p.m. Pacific time with your host, Consuela Mackey, co-host, U.S. Air Force veteran, Matt Davidson, announcer, Taylor Marcella, U.S. Army veteran and Strategies for Hope segment host, Dr. Kathy Cash, U.S. Army Reserve veteran and entertainment segment host, Charles Whitehead, U.S. Army Special Forces veteran, and I once was whole segment host, Richard Cook, U.S. Army veteran and lifeline for women's veterans segment host, Martha, Elena, Varela, National Faith Director, Chaplain, and Veterans in Recovery segment host, Anthony Akinpora, and U.S. Air Force veteran and incarcerated to success segment host, Kevin Lewandowski. For more information or to be a guest on our show, email info at operationconfidence.org. Operation Confidence is a grassroots nonprofit. The organization's mission is to provide stable housing for veterans who have experienced homelessness, as well as providing a wide range of supportive services. To help accomplish our goal, a successful landowner has donated land for the project, a world-renowned architect has offered to design the houses, and construction classes from the local community colleges will take part in building the houses. Your support and donations are needed. To get involved, please visit our website at www.operationconfidence.org or email info at operationconfidence.com. Okay, well, welcome everyone. Thank you for tuning in to Americans Invisible Heroes, a show that's dedicated to our veterans and their families. Yes, I'm your host, Consuela Mackey, Executive Director of a grassroots nonprofit organization called Operation Confidence. No, I'm not a veteran, but my heart goes out to our American heroes especially those who are disabled and may have experienced homelessness. For those who are new to the show, American Invisible Heroes was established to provide a platform for our veterans to be able to share their experiences, heartfelt stories, resources, challenges, and accomplishments. Now, Operation Confidence mission, as I shared earlier, is to provide stable housing for our veterans with a wide range of supportive services to date, American Invisible Heroes has over 11,000 views. And we did this within only 17 months. So we're moving fast and we're very excited. But what we need from our viewers and our listeners to support our cause by donating at least $1 to us for our teeny house building program. And actually it goes in our teeny house building fund. Just visit our website at www.operationconference.org and hit go to the donation page, which is on the home page, and donate us $1, please. We really need your support. Okay, so now I'd like to take this opportunity to ask our board member and announcer, Taylor, to take it from here. Of course, Connie. I would like to introduce our U.S. Air Force veteran, Matt Davison, who's vice president and a co-host. We have U.S. Army veteran, Dr. Kathy Cash, who co-hosts a bi-monthly segment called Strategies for Hope. We have U.S. Marine Master Sergeant veteran, um, Adam, Adam Castillo, or Castillo, excuse me, with the monthly segment, um, Veterans Peer Access Network Services. 
we have U.S. Army veteran Dr. Wendy Childress with her monthly segment, Living Life Completely. And we have Miss Anne Monahue with her bi-monthly segment, The Rosie's Movement. U.S. Army, Army Reserve veteran and board member Charles Whitehead will be joining us on location later in the show. So before we start the program, uh, Ms. Dr. Kathy Cash, would you please send a prayer up for Tyree Nichols and his family? Of course, of course. Thank you so much, Taylor. We know that a couple of nights ago, the video was released of what has happened um, on the Memphis police force. And that has hit a lot of people a lot of different ways. When we talk about veterans and being re-triggered uh, with trauma and just other things that have gone on across the country, um, we're gonna lift up in prayer all of us on today. Shall we bow? Father God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your peace and for your comfort. We just ask, Lord, that in the midst of this situation, you touch us and remind us that you are still in control. We have no control over what has happened, but we have control over how we respond. And we know that your word tells us that you would comfort those who mourn. So we thank you for your comfort. Then your word also tells us to be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving to let our requests be made known unto you. So we're lifting up the police department. We're lifting up the community. We're lifting up our entire country. We're lifting up everyone who has been affected by the situation, by the even viewing of the video. We lift them all up to you. And we just ask that you give us that peace that passeth all understanding. We know that it's, it's easy to get out of hand. It's easy to want to do something, but your word tells us that vengeance is yours. So as we go through our daily activities, Lord, and, and this comes upon us, just remind us that you are still in control. We're praying for our Tyree's family, his loved ones. We're praying for, again, all those who have been affected by this incident. We ask your blessings upon us individually and collectively as we continue to pray for the police departments, not only in Memphis, but across our nation. Lord, we thank you for hearing and answering our prayers. In your name we pray, amen, amen, amen. 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 Thank you. Okay, okay. Uh, Taylor, I think the Matt's guesses is signed on. I'm not quite sure. You want to see? Hello, uh, whoever that is on an iPad. Miss Xerox. Mr. Xerox. Miss? Mr. Harrison. Who's that? Calvin. Or is it Lawrence? Lawrence. Lawrence. It's Lawrence. <laughs> With the artwork. Okay, Lawrence, you won. Uh, well, just stay there anyway. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Matt, we thought that was your guest, so we're going to move right along here. Okay. And uh, let Taylor take it and introduce our <laughs> Ann Montague. She's going to have June on the day. Once again, we're so happy to have June. Okay. Uh, I'm hoping that you all can hear June. Can, uh, June, can you hear the group? Just about. Just about. Okay. Yeah. That's good. 
Um, let me do an introduction of June and then we'll, today what we're going to do is, she told me a story. Now I've known her for years, but she told me a story this week, which is a love story of her husband coming back from World War II. Before you get into that, Anne, it's so exciting, but I know Matt has another appointment. So Matt, do you have to sign off now? Yes, I do, but I'll be back next time with a new guest. Next week, yeah, for sure. Okay. Okay, thank you, Matt. Sure thing. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Continue on now, okay. Anne. So uh, June Robbins is in Philadelphia. She's uh, a Rosie because she uh, drafted ship parts um, in World War II. She dropped out of high school to do that. She fought a uh, very valiant uh, fight to be able to learn drafting in high school. Once she learned it, she dropped out of high school. And her mother was uh, riveted airplanes at the Philadelphia shipyards and she as she did the, um, as she helped to design ship parks, um, she was always writing to her boyfriend. And um, what's happened now is that we are hoping to make your group more public, more visible to the national media. I'm going to really try on that. And so I was talking to June this week. And um, by the way, she's a little bit under the weather today, so we'll be very patient with her. But um, when I talked with her this week, I said, I want to um, feature a story. What, what, you, what, what kind of a story can you tell in the very most 10 minutes? So she's gonna tell you that story now. So this is June Robbins from Philadelphia, who's 96 and a half years old, 96 and a third or something mm -hmm. like that. <laughs> wow. Okay. Hi, June. It's yours now, June. She's here by phone. How you doing, June? <laughs> I feel like 196 today. <laughs> <laughs> At any rate, uh, when I met uh, my uh, husband, now my, my husband, uh, well, how should I put it? When he first looked at me at my parents' apartment, he came with a girlfriend of mine and uh, another boy, and he took one look at me, and he picked me up against the wall and kissed me on the mouth. Oh. <laughs> like I kissed by a boy. He was aggressive. I was 15. He, knew, was what, he knew what he wanted, right? And he said, I'm going to marry you someday. Well, I was absolutely shocked. First time I got kissed. And he said, <laughs> marry me? Holy smokes. <laughs> At any rate, true to his word, he came around almost every day. He lived in another part of the city, and uh, he took public transportation, or he hitchhiked. I don't know how he did it, but he made himself indispensable. My father could
Okay, that was fun. Yeah. <laughs> well, tell us about the time when you were with the Rosies. Okay. Uh, she's going to tell you now about at the end of the war, uh, June, after you were uh, worked okay, in the let, shipyard. Okay, let, right, let, me, let me continue. Okay. Then he joined, he joined the Navy and wrote to him uh, constantly, uh, along with a number of other uh, other boys. I think I wrote to five other rip boys at the same time. But uh, his is a very special, very, very special letter that he wrote back to me each time. I treasured each letter that he, that he wrote. And then at, at the end of the war, he showed up at uh, my apartment, our parents' apartment, and he said, honey, I'm going to pick you up, and uh, I want you to take all the letters with you that I wrote you, and I'm bringing mine, and we're going to a very special place. Well, it was nighttime, pick me up, we drove to Fairmount Park, and we sat on the very special benches in the park that we always sat on, nice and dark and comfortable and private. There was a, a hobo who slipped on the next bench, my husband, my boyfriend rather, went over there and asked him to move because he wanted to be with his special girlfriend. He put his letters on the ground, I put mine on the ground. I thought we were going to read the letters together. I was kind of shocked. Why are we doing this? He said, picked out a match. He lights the match and has a little bonfire of loose letters, his and mine. I was really appalled at that. But then he said, honey, that is the end of the war, the end of our past. This is the present. And honey, we're going to have a lot more futures together. You and I, and I love you to pieces, and he kissed me, and he hugged me. Oh. <laughs> when I think of that today, I wish I had those letters because they were they were so wonderful. And the letters I wrote to him were loving letters. But we spent more than 60 years together, and it was a wonderful relationship. Mm. We had each other's backs. Oh. No what we did, we did it together. We traveled, we had children, seven children, by the way. That's that wonderful, beautiful story. And June, um, uh, tell her, uh, tell the group about um, when he lit the fire and burned all the letters, what did you say? I was shocked. I yeah. was so shocked. I thought we were going to read the letters together. That wasn't it. That was the past, and our future will be together. This is the present. And what was the favorite song that that uh, he that was your favorite love song? Wasn't it? you're the wing the wind beneath beneath my wings? Wasn't that it? The wind beneath my ring, wings. Oh, gee, when we were in the Netherlands. That lovely young lady sang a song. Yeah. She sang that song and she was dressed like a Rosie. She held my hand and she was singing that song and I was crying. <laughs> oh, what a lovely song. Mm. Bring back so many wonderful memories. 
And uh, does the group have anything to, to ask June? I think it's just a lovely story and such a surprise. Well, um, is this one? How many kids did you have, uh, June? I didn't hear that. How many children did you have? Seven. <laughs> really? Girls. Seventeen <laughs> grandchildren. Uh, I think seven or eight great grandchildren. My glitters are more than that. <laughs> <laughs> so oh, that's Check the list and see who has what. <laughs> so Where one thing that, that I want everybody to know here is that one of my personal commitments to this group is that it's stories like this that connect human beings. It's not history book uh, facts and that kind of thing. So we're uh, really appealing to everybody in this group because you're very authentic people, just like the Rosies were very authentic. If you think you have a story to tell about a significant moment that made a change in your life, then let me know. And I feel like my best help for you all at this moment is to get this group uh, recognized and especially Connie's leadership, which is just incredibly outstanding. Well, we got over 11,000 views, so we're not doing too bad. <laughs> not doing too bad, you know. No, we so, get uh, there, believe me. And it's because it's real. You, you are real people, and I seek um, and have sought for years in the American Rosie movement here as I've prepared for it. I'm looking for real people. We don't want phonies or people who just want to be seen or whatever. No, we're all down the earth. Genuinely able to connect to one another and to get the job done. You and know, everybody don't know exactly what, what the Rosies is all about. Now, there was the thought out with Rosie the Riveters, and then it's the Rosies movement. So we're honored to have you as a daughter of Rosies to be here as as the director of the Rosies movement. Oh, the Rosies movement, but Tell us how all that got started, because some of us well, don't know. I, I uh, was in Boston. I have been, had been working on a government project to um, figure out what to do with sediment, meaning mud from our navigable waters, and I worked on it for seven years. I went to Iowa to do a project out there, and somebody stole my car and all my work. Seven years of work disappeared overnight. And I uh, had to really get over the shock. And at some point I said, okay, I've always said I was going to go back to West Virginia, do something for my country that nobody else was doing, at least not doing the, the way I felt it should be done. And so I came back and I started looking for Rosie the Riveters because my mother was a Rosie and she needed to be better recognized. So what happened was I'm the minute I found the first Rosie and interviewed her, I realized these people are, these women are really authentic. They know how to work. They know how to pull together. Uh, they don't want uh, individual credit. They, they want essentially unity across America and to adapt to whatever changes we have to make. So I've put now 15 years, it'll be June, in June, it'll be 15 years in defining the women. But oh, the big difference between us and what makes the Rosie movement is that we don't just get the histories of the women. That's extremely important because people can relate to the women, but we also do projects all over the country so that the public is participating in a movement. And this movement is not one of protest, it's one of getting the job done. 
and getting uh, essentially the um, pattern and the, the meaning of the roses to go forward. Um, yeah, right. Jen, yes. And I'm, try I'm trying to get a mural up in the city of Philadelphia. I want a nice big building, at least a three-story building, so that mural is not small. The movement is large, and our women are into so many things. Uh, not only paid, but uh, they were also volunteers during the war. Yes. Yes, and, and volunteers are extremely important. We find that the in-kind contribution to our work is at least five times and sometimes as many as eight or nine times our income annually because people love this project. They love being part of something that is positive in America, but recognizes veterans and the contribution of uh, people to essentially to a free world. And not that they're not problems, but that we're going to uh, focus on the positive side. So it was June that helped me to name the American Rosie movement. A lot of people wanted to be called the American Rosie the Riveter movement, but only about at the most one fifth of the women were riveters. So June was not a riveter. Um, so we're just calling it Rosie, and Rosie means positive. So um, it it means both the women themselves, but it also means that we need a positive, uh, productive uh, way to focus and, and unify across America. So well, that is so wonderful. So um, June, do you have anything more to say? I know you're not feeling well, so we'll hang up here when you when uh, you feel you've uh, had the time you need. Well, I don't think I'm going to be able to make the uh, that meeting at Oh, I'm so sorry. My nose is still swollen. Yeah, she broke her nose. She broke her nose last week. Yeah. Oh God. Well, we hope you feel better, girl. Because you're so active. Okay. I've got four stitches over my left eye, and my nose looks like a I look like a boxer. Oh my goodness. Not half my eyes, but directly underneath where the big pouches are. Yeah. Oh, wow. Really horrendous. I try not to look at myself in the mirror because it's scary. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? I wish that all of us had to have the humor and the the mind that you have at 96 years old. I mean, you're just an amazing person. Yeah, and we're so amazing. thrilled to have you on. And as soon as you feel better, girlfriend, you have to come on and share some more stories with us. I know you have a wealth of information, right? My, my aim is be at least 120. There you go. <laughs> way to go. So there I think that's, uh, that's somewhere around 25 years, 24 years. So um, yeah. I won't be I'm with you sure that whole time. I'll, I'll be gone before that, June. <laughs> okay, well, we're all trying. Real Love quick, you. that uh, you were. Uh, I'll be talking to you later, probably in the morning, okay? And real quick, all right. that thank you, you so much. And by now. I want everyone to know that she also was a professional uh, professional clown. Yes. And, and after she got out of the military and was trained, uh, she, actually she performed for the Veterans Hospital, Women's Shelters, and a lot of other places. 
to yes. bring light to their lives. So I think that's just amazing. She's an amazing person. And one, yeah, you of, can hear. one of the benefits that she brings is that so many of the Rosies are extremely humble and shy. Yeah. And uh, so amazing. she she makes it possible for uh, to represent all the Rosies by being mm -hmm. a little more outspoken than most of them, more comfortable in the public than most people are. Okay, we're moving right along. Thank you so much, Anne. Right, thank you. Okay, Taylor, you gonna take it from here? Yes, ma'am. Please welcome um, Chaplain Wendy Childress with her segment entitled um, Life After Military. Okay. I was lip I'll do it again. Let me do it again. Let me do it again. I was so lip no one heard it. <laughs> again, rewind. Please welcome Dr. Wendy Childress with her monthly segment, Living Life Completely. Hello, everyone. I was lip syncing. That's what I was doing. Okay. So, <laughs> you know, I was sitting surfing the net one day and uh, I just simply typed in life after the military just to see what was out there. And I came across some interesting uh, responses and some in interesting stories from different people. And I thought that I just pulled one and thought that it was worth looking at and I will comment on it afterwards because it goes along with living life completely, which is a business that I have as a life coach. So Taylor, if, and it's not that long, so if you all will indulge me, please. Taylor, you can start the video. Can't hear it. Give us some sound. Let me try it again. I can't try it. Today marks 12 months that I've yeah. officially been out of the Navy yes. for a year, and I never expected the transition to be like this, and it's been a while since I've got a chance to sit down and just chat with y'all. I'm going to be real in this video, and it's not intended to be a feel sorry for me type of video or self-pity type of video. I want all of y'all to be able to come to my channel and be inspired to become better every single day. 2013, I joined the Navy, and throughout my seven years in, I was constantly having my schedule laid out for me be here at a certain time be there at a certain time this is what to wear this is what to do this is what to bring we're breaking for lunch at 1300 and living this structure even though at the same time i was building discipline and the ability to schedule when i got out in november in 2020 it just completely went away i started spiraling into this really bad routine of waking up and not knowing where to be or who I was. I struggled a lot with self-image and self-identity and I kind of just didn't know who I was anymore. I felt like I was once a part of this great team, you know, the U.S. military, and then when I got out, 
I wasn't anymore and it threw me in the dumps for a while. I gained a bit of weight and I just fell into this depressing kind of just lost phase where I didn't know where to be, I didn't know what to do, I felt incomplete, I felt like I just wasn't Austin anymore. On top of the no drive, the no motivation, I really had trouble with feeling empathy for people and being empathetic towards people like I once was. My girlfriend Sarah is a nurse and she would come home from her 12 hour shifts and just seek maybe some attention or just someone to talk to, someone to talk about her stress with. And you know, back last year and earlier this year, I didn't want to hear it. I, I wasn't that person for her like I should have been. And my transition out of the military made me constantly compare my situation or situations that I've been through in the military to others. And I just really didn't want to hear anyone else's stories or their stresses or anything like that because I was going through my own. You know, in the military, I was so adjusted to this mission first type mindset that everything was mission first to me. All personal matters kind of went out the window. I wasn't caring towards others. I wasn't caring about their personal issues because like I said, in the military, it's always mission first and personal issues second. Even though getting out, you know, there really was no mission on a day-to-day -day basis. It was just hard for me to grasp that concept that there was no mission first. It made me very cold emotionally to a lot of people and it was it was bad and I still deal with this today in the civilian world the world that I'm in now your personal life is the priority and then work comes second for the most part and working with a video team now and a group of editors it's hard for me to identify when personal issues and personal matters need to be tended to over what we're working on or what we're going through third thing I really struggle with is constantly comparing what happened to me in the military to what's happening now like I lost two of my really good friends in the Navy my two of my best friends actually and now when I'm exposed to someone having a hard time or if a friend or family member you know, six months ago, if a friend or a family member called me and they said, I'm going through a really tough time, I would constantly think about Kyle and Torrance and compare their situation to the situation that my friend tells me about or a family member tell, tells me about. And it was just hard for me to get out of that silo of that military mindset of your personal issues don't matter. And now to bring a little bit less depressing mood into this video, I do understand it now. But, you know, six months ago or later, you know, from November to like June, July, I was a mess. I, it was hard for me to understand the way things worked on the outside. It was hard for me to be an effective leader and a communicator. And it was just sometimes hard for me to get out of bed in the morning. And I make this video not to be a like I said earlier, not to be a pity story or a self-pity type thing, but I make it so other veterans or people that are struggling with this same thing can understand that it is normal for you to be confused when you get out. It's normal. A lot of veterans go through that. And I didn't think that I would go through that, but I have. It's very important for you to accept and adapt and adjust to the civilian life accordingly like you should and just keep pushing through. A lot of times you're gonna feel like there's this dark cloud over you that's just constantly lingering every single day, but it's your job to fight. It's your job to fight back 
and find yourself again. And for me, this took, you know, six to eight months. I didn't really truly start being Austin and start fulfilling and living better and living more until probably three or four months ago. I think a lot of the people around me noticed it, but they just didn't know how to address it. I mean, Sarah, my beautiful girlfriend of four years, she would make comments all the time and she, she noticed it, you know, when I wouldn't get out of the bed in the morning, when I would just stay there, when I ignore her, when she would say, you know, get off of the video game or get off of your phone. And now I take a lot of pride, you know, a year later, I take a lot of pride in waking up early, getting out of the bed as soon as I can, going over, having my water, taking the dogs for the walk. Did it seem like I was unmotivated or just kind of lost? You just didn't really like, it was so hard for you to go to the gym. You like just had no motivation to even like eat healthy. And I felt like you were just stuck in your head a lot. I mean, now you're waking up early to go to the gym really hard. And I know that's not easy. Whereas like before you would never have done that. If I could look back a year ago and tell myself three things, three things that I need to do to get out of the slump or not even go into the slump, it would be these. Number one, have an anchor in your day. Establish